Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Um, you can take a seat. The, um, the start of the message today is going to be a pre-recorded message from Pastor Phil Pringle. If you've not heard of Pastor Phil Pringle before, he established the very first C3 church in Brookvale in Sydney in 1980. Um, since then, he has built, um, by his apostolic leadership, he has built that church into a cluster of churches and then further than that into a national movement right around Australia. And now C3 Church is a global movement with churches all over Europe and Africa and Asia. Um, and so he, is, he has pre-recorded this message for the purpose that everyone in every C3 church all around the world hears the same message from him at the same time, well, roughly, give and take the time zones, but anyway. Uh, so, we're all going to listen to that, just like everyone else in C3 right around the world has listened to it. Hey, C3 family, what a pleasure it is to be speaking with you today in our church services all around the world. I wanted to share with you something that I believe is very important from God to our congregations and to our churches everywhere in the world today. We are moving into a new day with new oil at a new level and with new wine. I believe that there is new things that God is bringing in upon us that will cause us to expand, become bigger people, discover greater levels of the power of God and of the blessings of heaven coming on our lives. Let me read this passage to you. Luke 5.37, no one pours new wine into all wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the wineskins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. New wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking the old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. This is a fascinating piece of humanity where we, we ache for the old. We get sentimental and nostalgic and we think the old was better. But God wants to create momentum in our lives, which means going from one moment where we maximize that moment, take advantage of it, make the full opportunity of a moment that God gives us. And then that will give us traction into the next moment. And life is a string of moment, moments which creates the word momentum. As we keep stepping out, we will find that the power of God is with us. Never does God do anything without actually engaging you and I in the process. So for us to go to new levels, we need to take the step of faith. Jesus didn't say to the gentleman who had been sick for 38 years, hey, just stay there. Healing's going to come. He said, stand up, pick up your bed and walk. And as, as he did that, that thought had never entered his head before. He was thinking, I'm going to get healed by another way. But as soon as Jesus said that, he discovered new wine. He got a new structure in his thinking. I can walk. And when he decided to take that step of faith, he found new wine, the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. You don't find Jesus saying to the blind guy, just stay there. Healing's going to come. He says, go wash 
in the pool of Siloam to the 10 lepers. He didn't say, just hang over there, guys. Healing's coming to you if you just stay where you are. When we are stuck, we will find not a lot happens. But getting unstuck means we'll hear God, we take a step and move into our future. I believe all around C3, we are seeing changes. We are seeing momentum. We are seeing people get traction as we take steps of faith and move into a new day with new wine, new revival, and a new fresh power from heaven coming upon us. As we, as we gain momentum, one of the, the great benefits of stepping out is discovering the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I in our congregations, we need to host the Holy Spirit. We need to remember that why we gather is so that we can worship. And I would like to think that every one of us are front-footed, leaning into that worship moment in our church services. I would like to believe that we would grow from our around 100 to 120,000 people in church on every Sunday to there being a million worshipers in the house of God, just as a goal for you and I as C3 congregations, that there'll come a Sunday in the future, in the not too far distant future, where there are a million worshipers in our congregations all around the world. And the reason I say worshipers is because I know that that is the environment, that is the atmosphere, that is the action of God's people that invokes the presence of God that houses the God of heaven and earth, that hosts the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible says, I want you to stir up the gift that is in you. Paul speaks to Timothy and he says, I'm reminding you to stir up that gift that God has put on the inside of you. And when we stir up that gift in 2 Timothy 1.6, when we stir that gift up, we will find that the Holy Spirit is that gift and it manifests in some supernatural way. I believe with all my heart that we are in an age and a time where people in the world are searching for answers that are supernatural, not just natural. And I also believe that church people are getting bored and tired with doing church the way we've always done it. There is a new fresh element that we need to be reminded to stir up the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say we need to be open to hosting the Spirit of God in our services, that means there may be a need for us to create new wineskins for new wine. In our congregation, I've told our people, we're having longer services, people, because we shortened them to try and accommodate for people's time-poor, busy lives. But I found no one really clapped when I said that. But when I told them recently, we're having longer church services, people, so that we can linger longer in the presence of God. Not so I can preach longer, but so that we can actually spend more time soaking in the presence of God, letting His Spirit fill our lives. Now, that doesn't mean we're just every service, we're going to go on for hours and hours or anything. It just means I wanted people to have a new wineskin thinking 
and actually structure ourselves with our children's ministry, with our serving people, with our volunteers, so that everybody would be on the page. Everybody was applauding, saying, yes, we're hungry for God. There is a hunger and a thirst for the Holy Spirit and for the outpouring of God's presence in every heart right around the world, especially in the church. This is a really great sign. That hunger and thirst means that God is planning on visiting us in an unprecedented way to take us all up a level, to take us into new realms. And so Paul says to Timothy, I remind you, because we forget. He said, I remind you to stir up or fan into flame, literally is what it means, the gift that is within you. Now Jude, he says, you will do this. You will stir up your faith. You will build up your faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. And that means speaking in tongues. That means speaking in a heavenly language. Stir up that gift. And as you unlock that, you will tune your spirit to hear the voice of God. You will cause life to come into your inner man. And as you stir up a gift that you have not been using, maybe such as prophecy or helps or giving or evangelism, Every single one of us in our congregations, as we stir up the gift that God has given us, we will find that that is the most exciting and encouraging and nourishing thing we can do for our spiritual life. Jesus says, my food, my nourishment is to do the will of Him who sent me. So when every one of us in our congregation say, yeah, I put my hand up to serve with my gift, with what I can do. I can greet people. I can help count things. I can, I can be a car park attendant. I can serve in any area. When we stir up that gift, we will find ourselves actually feeling revival on the inside. We'll find a fire coming in. Now, Paul says it again. To Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.14, he says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. So impartation comes through prophecy, through ministry, through the laying on of hands, and gifts can be imparted into people's lives. And he is saying, don't neglect that gift. Don't be looking at other people's gifts and saying, oh, I wish I could, I could do what they do. You've got a gift. Some people have the gift of cooking, hospitality. There are other people who don't. <laughs> and you, know, you don't want to be eating the food of the people who can't cook. But, but some people, they can welcome people into their homes, provide meals, help at church. Never underestimate the power of hospitality to win people into the kingdom and to establish them in the house of God. Every one of us have a gift. I'm believing that as we become worshipers who house and host the Holy Spirit, we will find that we stir up the gifts that are on the inside of every single one of us and that by that gift, we will cause great growth, great expansion in the church and great revival in our people. Let me pray for you as I close. Father, I pray for the great gift of the Holy Spirit to be filling every single one of our members, every single person who's in the house of God, every single attender, every guest, every worshiper, so that, Lord, we would experience the fullness of being God's people on planet Earth today in Jesus' name. God bless you. 
Look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you, Pastor Phil. He's feeling pretty stirred up by that. Amazing. Just blows my mind that there's people in Manhattan listening to the same message, same family, us, like us, except just over there. It's pretty cool. Um, we, uh, I'm not going to talk for very long, but I'm going to talk really passionately. So get ready. Get yourself ready. Um, we're doing a series called Cross Examine. So we're going to be spending some weeks looking at the cross and everything that it's accomplished for us because it has accomplished so much. Like Jesus looks back at it and goes, yep, done, all done. That phrase that he said just before he passed on the cross that he said, it is finished, is like a big, fat, full stop that says, whatever you need, it's done. It was done then. So we only have to figure out how to tap into it now because it's already mission accomplished. Dun, 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 dun. Um, there are so many facets to talk about, about what the cross has accomplished for us. So I'm just going to like hone in like a microscope onto one thing only. I'm just going to talk about that one thing and leave the rest to other people in future weeks. And that is healing. The authority that has been delegated to us by Jesus and the power in his name, especially as it relates to healing. Ephesians chapter 1 says, His incomparably great power for us who believe. Is that you? Do you believe? Okay, so His incomparably great power for us. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated him his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That pretty much covers it, right? That's everything. Everything, he's up here, everything else is down there. Got it. That says that the power that is for us is for us, right? That's for you. That's for you. Take it. Mitch, can you take that? That's for you. Thanks. So God's power that is for us, not for him. God doesn't need to use it. We need to use it. The power that's for us. Oh, thanks. I've got that power now. For us is the same power that resurrected Christ and made it history change forever. That same power is for us. Okay. Just digest that for a second. Matthew 28, 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. The implication here is, I've got all authority. You can go in that authority. Because you're following me and you believe in me. Therefore, my authority is your authority. It's not, hey, I've got all authority, you don't have anything, off you go and good luck. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's, <laughs> it's all authority has been given to me and you're my team, so go. You've got it. We've got this. I feel like I still haven't convinced everyone though. 
So here we go. John 14 and verse 12. See, it's just, it's all through the scripture. It's all through the gospel. I think it's incontrovertible. It's, it's like the most uncontroversial part of the gospel to me is healing. And yet, in the body of Christ globally, we seem to have set up structures where we go, healing's not for today. It was only for then. I go, well, have you read your Bible? Have you ever prayed for someone and seen them get healed? Where are you coming from? And we set up other structures. Oh, yes, but only under certain circumstances. Only if the person has f- completely forgiven everyone they've ever had a had in, uh, concern with. Where's that? Like, can you just... Whatever, whatever rule you think you've got, I've seen it broken. Yes, that's true, except when it's not. Except when it's not. Uh, John fourteen twelve says, Very truly I tell you, that's like a more emphasis, not just I'm going to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this and I really, really want you to pay attention and I'm really telling the truth. Whoever believes in me, is that you? Do you believe in Jesus? Okay, so whoever believes in me, not only special people, will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. So let's just do a little inventory, shall we? What did Jesus do? Hmm. Hmm. He healed people by laying hands on them. He drove evil spirits away and set people free. He healed people of mental illness. He raised people from the dead. He healed people from every illness or disease and even disability that was brought to him. All of it. Nothing left out. Nothing, oh, I'm not sure about that one. Come back on Friday. There was none of that. Just everything that was brought to him, every kind of illness or disease you can imagine, even if they didn't know what it was called back then. (coughs) And he says, everyone who believes in him is going to do all that and more. I don't even know what the and more could be. What could the and more be? More than raising people from the dead. Anyway, that's one to ponder. So that's for all believers, right? Not just especially gifted people. Okay, I'm going to read three verses that all contain the same word and then I'm going to talk to you about the word. John 14, 13 says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. John 15, 16 says, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And John 16, 23 says, very truly I tell you, there it is again, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This word that got translated into English as ask is the Greek word ATO, which also carries the meaning to require, to demand. So it's not necessarily ask in the way we understand the word ask in English. Oh, please, please, could you? It's not quite the same. Whatever we require in Jesus' name, whatever we demand in Jesus' name, the Father will do for us. It's a lot stronger. We're not making demands of God. You know, you had better do this right now. Don't talk to God like that. It doesn't work out well. <coughs> but we are making demands of the enemy, the thief, the liar. He's so annoying. And we're also making demands of physical matter, right? This is physical matter. So are your blood cells. We've got to not think about them as any different just because it's so personal. 
You know, it's like a singer, if you talk about a singer's performance, it feels a lot more personal because it's like part of their body that they, it's not just a thing that they pluck the strings on, but it's part of them. So it's all very, you have to be very careful giving feedback to a singer. Right? We feel like the way my heart works or what's happening in my brain chemistry or, or whatever is, is much more personal and it's not just physical matter, but it is. One day, your, the real you, your spirit will leave your body and when it does, your body will decay because it's just physical matter. If the physical matter is not working properly, guess what? Jesus walked on water. He suspended natural laws. All of it is down here. And his name and the authority we've been given is way up here. Asthma is down here. The authority we've been given is up here. Chronic fatigue is down here. Jesus' name is up here. Think of your favorite too hard basket illness. What is it that's too hard for God? I know, sounds sacrilegious, but we all think that way, actually. Oh, well, that's, that's only like a 6 out of 10 illness, but this is a 9.5. It's all the same, and it's all down here. The only thing that's different is how we think about it and how seriously we take it. But in terms of physical matter, it's all down there. And the name of Jesus is way up here over every name, every rule, every authority, anything, everything. It's way up here. Cool. <laughs> and so when I pray for people, I think, you know, you've got a problem with your toe. That's got to submit. It's got to. It's just physical matter. I hold much higher authority than that. So I can speak to it and tell it what to do. And it has to. In the name of Jesus, it has to. It's not like a big argument, a big war rages across the heavens. No, that was already done. When he said, it is finished. All I'm doing is obeying him and saying, I will operate in the authority you have given me and I will declare healing here. And it's just physical matter and it has to recognize the authority in the name of Jesus. Has to. It's kind of like if you get pulled over by a police officer and she asks to see your licence. She's not really asking. You, I mean, you know, maybe she's being polite. She's, it sounds like she's asking. But you try refusing and see what happens. You will find out there is some authority backing up that ask. Right? We've got to have a big ask in our lives. Sometimes people come to me and say, can you pray for me? Yep, what about? Oh, I'm not sure. I just really feel like I need some prayer. What are you asking God for? Uh, I'm not really sure. What's the situation? They describe it. And eventually I go, okay, so what do, you, what do you want God to do? What do you want to change? What are you asking for? Um, oh, yeah, it'd be nice to think about, well, this is the problem. I've defined it and I know what I want to ask for. Ask, ask, ask. Cool. Um, we are the police in that story, <laughs> in that analogy. We've got the full authority of Jesus' name. So I'm encouraging you to not pray in a begging way or in a requesting way, crossing your fingers and hoping it'll all turn out. 
but in a demanding way, knowing you stand on sure footing and issuing demands and instructions, because that's how I pray, and it's fantastic. We've seen our Jemima, my daughter, miraculously healed from allergies. And it wasn't just one of those, oh, I think I feel a bit better. How much better? About 15% better. It wasn't that vague. It was the doctor said, it won't happen. It will not happen. Once they reach this age, they have the allergy for life. We went, oh, thank you for your advice. (laughs) Word of God. Hmm, interesting. There's a bit of a mismatch here. So we just prayed regularly and faithfully and she was delivered, set free from that allergy. So she just doesn't have it anymore. So it's, isn't it great when it's so clear? Almost, almost prefer when someone's been to a doctor first. Okay, great. And you've got that in writing? Excellent. Now let's pray. Because then when things change, you know, and people try to argue you out of it or talk it away as if it never happened, you can go, well, actually, I just have this piece of paper. So I don't think of any situation as any different to Jemima's allergy. They're all the same. It's all just physical matter. God doesn't love me more than he loves you. He loves us all the same. So if you do it for me, he'll do it for you. It's pretty simple. Let's keep it simple. God loves you. God's a healer. He's always been a healer. Hasn't changed his mind. Hasn't had a split personality and decided to change who he is. Have you ever heard the saying... So you, you, you think you know somebody and you know them for years and they're always very consistent with their behavior, but one day they have a bad day and we call that acting out of character, right? I don't know why they did that, but that was really, you should know in their defense, that was really out of character. Most of the time, they're very level-headed, blah, blah, blah. God can't do anything out of character. He can't. Not, he, not just he refuses to, but he can't. He is faithful, so he has to be true to who he is all the time. And he said way back in Psalms, in the Old Testament, he said, I am the Lord who heals all your diseases. And you know what? He hasn't changed. Still the same. Wind the clock forward another 400 years. Still going to be the same. He can't act out of character. So if you understand that that's what his character is, he's a healer by nature. He's always going to be that way. Cool? (laughs) Have I lost anybody? Is everyone still with me? Good. I, here's another structure we set up. It was my own stupid fault. So, you know, God couldn't heal me. God won't heal me. He'll go, suffering your jocks. You deserve it, you dirty little maggot. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) Pastor Mel's going to listen to this one. Sorry, Mel. Um, I prayed for a guy one time and he came forward for prayer in the service and he whispered to me and he said, don't worry, I only came to keep my daughter happy. I don't even, you know, I don't really want to be here. Nothing's going to work. So just let's just go through the motions. Let's get this done and then I'll go back. I went, okay. So just to be clear, if you've got a structure that says people have to have surrendered their life to Jesus and said, come in and live with me, and let's do this together. Let's do this life journey together. I'm a Christian now, before God will heal them. Wrong. That structure's wrong. Kick it down. It's not real. If you believe 
the person I'm praying for has to believe and has to have some faith. <clears throat> Wrong. This shocked the pants off me when this, well, I had my pants on, but <laughs> it surprised me. It surprised me when I, I, I said to this guy, yeah, okay, no worries. Well, I'm just going to pray anyway. Could you just humor me like I'm going to pray anyway? He went, yeah, sure, go for it. So he just stood there and I prayed for him. And his busted hip that he got from falling off a roof because he wasn't harnessed properly, that he assumed was his own stupid fault. So any God would go, you deserve that, man. The consequences, that's how you learn, by driving you into the dirt. That's not our God. And his busted hip that was his own stupid fault got healed right there and then. And he started walking up and down the front of the church because he could walk in a way he couldn't walk before. And I'm going, hmm, pre is no freedom. I can't even walk properly. After is, ooh, I can walk properly. I've got freedom. He wasn't a believer. He hadn't decided to follow Jesus. And he had zero faith that anything would happen. So whatever your structure is, kick it down and just ask. What do you got to lose? Ask. Demand it. Require it in the name of Jesus. And let's see what happens. Wow, the cross means so much to us. Jesus accomplished so much. And the Bible draws a direct link between the, the marks on his back from the whip of that Roman soldier and our healing. He paid the price. God gets really frustrated when we're locked up, locked down, confined by an illness or, or whatever. I reckon it drives him crazy. He just goes, oh, come on. Let's get you out of that. I want you to be free. I feel, sometimes when I'm praying for someone, I, I pray almost out of a place of anger. Like I'm just angry at this stupid thing that's been blocking up their life and holding them down. I feel like I tap into some of how God feels about it when I do that. Angry. I reckon Jesus prayed for people angry sometimes. What? You get kicked out of the city because you got leprosy? You don't even have any social connections? That's so wrong. Be healed. Go show yourself to the priest because then they'll let you back into the city and you can be part of the community again because they'll go, oh, you're clean. Excellent. Back you go. Go see your family. Go see your mates and catch up. Good. Yeah, the Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes. He paid the price. So there's nothing more frustrating than, look, I've already done all the work. I can't believe you're walking around with this thing. I can't believe you've set up this structure that says you've got to hang on to it for some reason. I've seen hips realigned, limbs grow longer, uh, eyesight restored, hearing restored. Um, I've seen people healed of asthma. Um, I've seen so much in my life. So whatever you think's in your too hard basket for God, chuck it out. Chuck out your too hard basket. And if, you, you know, if you've got your rules and you think all this stuff has to happen and all these ducks have to line up before someone can receive healing, then maybe a little less time spent obsessing about what the rules are and the technicalities and a little more time just going, oh, well, what the heck, let's just ask and see what happens. Might be better. Less analysis and more doing. <coughs> My mother spent 20 years suffering from chronic migraine headaches. Can you imagine living with migraine headaches, probably some people in the room have migraine headaches, um, 
for 20 years and then getting prayed for and healed one day and never having another one for the rest of your life. It's been 50 years since that and she hasn't had another migraine since. Like that's proper healing, right? That's like it's gone. The condition I used to have is gone. My father was set free from alcoholism in a moment. In a moment. And couldn't even stand the smell of it after that. Actually, actually accidentally chucked out perfectly good bottles of alcohol because he thought it had gone off. And his friend's going, what are you doing? This is fine. Well, stop throwing my alcohol away. When I was a kid, someone prayed for me because I had 40 warts on this hand. 40 on one hand. It was really embarrassing. And within a few days, they had all gone black and dried up and dropped off. After months of painting stupid stuff on them and trying everything we knew how and nothing worked. Oh, let's just ask. Let's demand and require. Bam. Gone. Love it. Uh, This is just a small selection. I probably pray for a hundred people a year to receive healing. A hundred a year. I can't remember them all. I should start keeping a journal. You should too. You should start putting your hands on people and asking for them to be healed and keep a journal because I bet you'll prove to yourself that it's not just for back then and it does work and God does want to heal people and they don't, all my rules can get chucked out because it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. He just tends to heal because that's what he's like. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.